0: We're not going to look to the past. We're going to look to the future to really start to understand what we think 2023 will start to look like and what will be the most important things that employers are looking for. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engaged Learning at Workinsports.com, Brian Clapp. So I'm recording this on Friday, November 11th. Uh, I often do that for our Monday podcasts, I record them on Fridays. And I I found out some interesting news this morning, interesting, I should say, just sad. So I'm going to illuminate, I'm going to share it a little bit, and then I'll get into our topic today. I try really hard not to be too self-reflective in the podcast. I want it to be actionable for all of you, but sometimes things happen in the sports industry that I just want to tap into and share a little bit. I found out that a person that I worked with who was an icon in the sports industry Passed away at the age of 66, Fred Hickman. As many of you know, I worked at CNN Sports Illustrated for many years. I worked there for seven years in the sports department at CNN. And Fred was the icon. Fred was the lead anchor, along with Nick Charles, for 20 years at CNN Sports. And happy Friday, and welcome to CNN Sports Tonight. I'm Nick Charles. And I'm Fred Hickman. And uh, let's see, two or three guesses as to what the lead story is. First, two don't count. Uh, a rose is a rose is a rose, right? I think you're Something close. Like that. Throughout the 80s, he was the big brand. Dan Patrick, Keith Olbermann, all these other big names you know started out at CNN under Fred and Nick. They went on to ESPN, they became extremely popular, but Fred was the guy for a really long time. And so in 1996, when I joined CNN Sports Illustrated, he was that icon that when you showed up to work and you saw him, you were like, this is for real. I'm no longer just a college kid working at a newsroom at, at my you know university. I'm in the big time. That's Fred Hickman. And then you hear his voice and you hear his presence and you see him in the newsroom and you're just like, you're in awe. Well, the bad news for the Golden State Warriors is that they have the league's most generous defense. The good news is they have its most prolific offense, scoring about 118 a game. The better news is they are cruising along, strong contenders for the Pacific Division lead as they head into all-star break. And the best news of the day might have been poor Charlotte showing up for a basketball game a little bit earlier. Here's a look at the action for you. And I got to know Freddie really well over the years because I, you know, by my second year, I was promoted to associate producer and worked on our 11 o'clock show, which was his show. And so I worked directly with him most nights. And he was a pretty cool guy. I don't know how to to really illuminate this for people. Fred was chill. So meaning the whole newsroom could be going crazy. There could be some breaking news. We could all be urgently running around. Things, you know, crazy like your head was cut off. And Fred would be sitting at his desk. He'd be watching the TV. He'd be putting too much hot sauce on his food. Like the guy could consume hot sauce like nobody ever seen before. And he'd just be chill about it. It's like he'd seen it all before. He didn't need to overreact. He knew when the light went on at 11 o'clock, he was going to be ready. He didn't need to panic. And I was this crazy, like 22-year-old running around like a madman, thinking the world was on fire. And I'd just look over at him sometimes, and he'd be so calm that I felt like I needed to probably settle down a little bit myself. I'll tell you one other quick story, and then we'll, we'll continue to move on. But I do want to give him his his props, because I'm telling you, he's an icon, and I'm not sure enough of you... Know that, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna illuminate you into what this guy was like. So, I remember one Monday coming into work, and he came over and he just started staring at me like awkwardly for a second, like somebody when they're lingering a little bit too long. And I'm kind of looking at him like, "What's up, Freddie? You okay?" And he goes, "I was trying to think all weekend who you look like. Like you look like somebody, and I've been trying to figure it out all weekend long. And so, I mean, I'm like, like I said, I'm like 24." Probably a little too cocky. And I start listing off these like young celebrities, hottest thing in town, kind of like, oh, is it, you know, this person? And he's like shaking me off. He's got this look on his face like, no, nah, that ain't it. <laughs> and he just wanders off. He goes back to his desk. And it's probably, I don't know, it might have been five minutes. It felt like it was half an hour. It's probably like a half an hour later. And we have this big open newsroom. Everybody's working. Everybody can hear one another. We're talking smack over games. Like, it's a great time. And all of a sudden, just out of the blue, he yells out. And he's like, I figured it out. You look just like Shooter McGavin. So Shooter McGavin being the the bad guy from Happy Gilmore. If you haven't seen Happy Gilmore, you should see Happy Gilmore. It's a hilarious movie that was very popular at the time in the 90s. And I was just ego crushed because he's not like the stud. He's not like a good looking guy. He's not popular. He's the bad guy. He's like the awkwardly cheesy Shooter McGavin. Let me show you how we do it in the pros. And I was just like mortified. And it stuck, unfortunately, where people would say it all the time. Like, hey, Shooter. Big trouble, though, pal. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. And even over the last 20 years as I moved on in my career and he went to different networks and he went to ESPN and he went to Yes Network and he went to other local stations, every once in a while we'd talk or we'd catch up or we'd message or whatever. And, you know, we started out with, hey, Shooter, how are you? And it would just break me a little every time. But I smile. I smile thinking of it. And every time I watch Happy Gilmore, even now with my kids, I'll watch that movie and I'll just laugh because I just remember that moment so well. So Fred was a really special guy and he was only 66 years old and he passed away from cancer today, Friday. Um, And so I just wanted to share that story a little bit because it's weird, you know, it's weird. And I feel, I feel for him and his family and, uh, been a lot of reminiscing amongst all of us from cnsi from back in the day today talking about freddie so just wanted to share that story there are now nine cincinnati reds remaining in arbitration because dibble has already dabbled into the kitty details after you give us a break all right we'll move on today's question comes in from jennifer in massachusetts jennifer asks hey brian it feels like 2022 was a tumultuous year for job seekers and employers First, it was the post-pandemic hiring boom, then it was the great resignation, then it was the great regret, and sprinkled in throughout the year was ghosting on both sides. I was ghosted by an employer, and sorry to admit, I ghosted an interview I wasn't that interested in. What do you think are the trends and standards that employers will be looking for in 2023? Jennifer, I think this is a really good question. I like looking ahead to 2023. We're doing a lot of, you know, prognosticating and thinking ahead and seeing what, what 23 is going to be looking like now as we talk. Talk as a team and we try to predict shame on you for ghosting first off but hey you know everybody has their moments i guess but i want to look to the future we're not going to look to the past we're going to look to the future to really start to understand what we think 2023 will start to look like and what will be the most important things that employers are looking for I started doing a little bit of research started to dig in a little bit and try to figure out like well is there any data we can share first because I can speculate, but I think data can be so much more impactful. And I found a new report from the National Association of Colleges and Employers, NACE, N-A-C-E, NACE. And they had some really good information. I tried to pull out some stuff that I thought was really impactful and that could make a really help you all frame what's going to be important. Because when you're in interviews or when you're in pre-screening calls or when you're in video conversations with people or networking either – Knowing these things that are going to be important trends for what attracts employers in 2023, I think will be important to frame your mind around so you can start to leverage those things in your, in your conversations and the way you interact with people and the way you mention you know, who you are and how you fit. This is a big one. And this is one that I like to really stress to everybody all the time because I say it a lot. Your GPA is not the thing that matters. 37% of employers intend on screening recent grad applicants by GPA. So that means most people are not. 37% isn't that much, right? It's a, it's a lot. I'm not saying it's not important, but just a few years ago, according to NACE, it was 73% that cared about GPA. They're starting to realize now, just like as they analyze SATs and things like that, they're like, these, some of these tests or some of these results don't indicate career success. So you can still use your GPA. You can still rest on that if it matters, but you're going to start to wean that off when you get two to three years into your career. You may need it starting out to make a positive impression, but don't be overly rely on it because that's not what's going to move the needle for you. If it's down lower on your resume, maybe a last thought or something, then that's fine. But don't highlight that too much because that's not what it's going to do it. What is going to do it, okay? Number one, problem-solving skills. 61% of employers said this was very or extremely important problem-solving skills. They want workers who can identify issues and come up with solutions. Now I'll tell you, I do a lot of interviewing. I just interviewed some people this week and last week and the week before that. I'm doing a lot of interviewing right now and I always tend to do a lot of interviewing. And we ask questions, we try to put people in a position to show and explain that they can solve a problem. You know, we ask questions like, well, when you, how do you utilize feedback in order to change your processes moving forward? I want to hear them talk about, you know, we we gather feedback and then we do X, Y, and Z to solve the problem, not just mitigate an issue, solve a problem. So think that way in the way you handle yourself in your applications, in your cover letters, in your, the way you present yourself in an interview, be a problem solver. I will tell you too, as a boss, you want people that come in and can solve solutions rather than just you problems so I used to have this policy when I was the news director at Fox Sports Northwest I was getting inundated with so many questions throughout the day so many so many so many so many so many and I was never getting anything done so I started to tell my team I'd say listen if you have a problem that you want to come to me with you have to have two solutions you've thought of already and then we can talk about them or maybe I'll present another one but you need to be start to think about solutions not just problems that is such a better conversation to have than here's a problem Solve it for me. That's not what we want. So be a problem solver. Number two, 61% of employers said that this is very or extremely important ability to work in a team. Collaboration is so important. We want versatility. We want people that can, that can work with others, build them up, uh, you know, delegate and assign and and track projects and make sure that everything is happening. You know, working as as a team and being able to listen and advance the story or present ideas in a thoughtful way. I mean, I've been in environments where people were confrontational. The ability to work in a team to get to a positive solution is massively important. It's something that employers need and want. Strong work ethic, 52.4% that the employers said that that was extremely important. Now, let's think about this in the context of our world moving forward. We're working, looking into a, a recessionary period probably, right? There's already layoffs. We've started to see it a lot of organizations, mostly in the tech field. But I even saw Adapter Labs. So NBA Top Shot, NFTs, NFL all day, they had layoffs. So there are contractions out there. Twitter sports, you know, Twitter did a massive layoffs. So in a time where there's, you know, some jobs being lost or layoffs happening, when there is hiring, you need people that are willing to do Willing to execute, willing to work hard, willing to work outside of their purview, maybe willing to work cross-functionally. So having that strong work ethic and really being able to put it out there and show that you're you're dedicated and focused and can really really get the job done is really important right now. You know we talk about versatility a lot, but that work ethic is such an important thing too. Now, what's hard about this is that sometimes convincing people that you have a strong work ethic can be a little bit like, you know, hard to convey. You know, just saying you have a strong work ethic isn't exactly convincing. This is where stories really come into play. Give me a story that exemplifies your work ethic. When you're in an interview, being able to relate things via story is so important. If you can do that to get across your work ethic, give me an example, give me a lifestyle, give me a thing that you did that helped me better understand your work ethic rather than just saying, I work really hard. I'm really working at the absolute most amount that I can work from morning till night, seven days a week. Um, So this is not something I'd recommend, frankly. Um, Yeah. Okay. So be thinking in stories. Number four, analytical and quantitative skills. 50% of employers said it was extremely important or very important. These are the skills that help you find, evaluate, and synthesize information to make decisions. So as it relates to the sports industry, we think of analytics, and you think of moneyball, and you think of on-field performance, which is all very true. But sports is a business, and we use business analytics, all right? So business intelligence is a really important part of our world, The business of operating and understanding revenue and understanding, you know, there's so much data and metrics that go into pricing and tickets and all of those things. The more that you understand in there and can translate data into action, the more powerful you will be, the more valuable you will be. We have an entire analytics and insights team at iHire. I am hitting them up all the time for data and research and understandings. So that we can really understand our customers and what they need or where they're dropping off in an email chain or where they're dropping off in a sales process or an onboarding and to realize where those breaks in the chains are or something of that nature. If we're creating content and our bounce rate is high, if we're creating content and people aren't engaging with it, like we're always looking at data to find out how to adjust and change. If you can think that way, if you can present that way, if you know Power BI, and if you know different tools out there, Google Analytics or whatever, if you know those tools, illuminate them because analytic and quantitative skills are really important. Number five, going back to soft skills a little bit, communication. Communication skills are still still so high in demand. Fifty percent said extremely or very important. This is something that's kind of broken in our world in a lot of ways, and I'm not going to be the old guy saying, get off my lawn and stop using social media, but get off my lawn. I'm going to give you a quick example. So we have our sports career game plan. We have over 6,000 students across the United States in this program. We have over 65 current active schools right now, and over 100 that have worked with us over the last year. Really impressive stuff. I will get emails from people that says, I can't log in. That's it it says I can't log in. They're saying if I'm a Gmail account that isn't linked to the account they signed up with, they don't have their name, they don't have their school, they don't have any kind of professional conversation going on there. That is a personal brand moment right there. Right there, somebody, me, who knows a lot of people in this industry, that right there, I read that and I think this person doesn't have professional communication skills, okay? I'll get somebody who'll say, hey, I failed that quiz, can you reset it? What quiz? What school are you part of? Who is your professor? Give me some level of information. What is your name? Are you allowed to have it reset? Is this a requirement? Like, are you, are you going for a certificate? Information, proper communication. Like, it's the basics, but those things disqualify you really quickly. When people add a note to communicate with me on LinkedIn, and it's really sloppy, and it's poorly communicated, that's a problem. Everybody needs to start evaluating their communication skills because I'm sorry, the world's gotten sloppy, but the standards haven't. Employers still want it to be strong and demand it to be strong because I don't want to hire you if I can't trust you to communicate well internally. Like if I hired you and you communicate with my boss in a broken, janky way, that makes me look bad. So if you can't communicate well, if you can't communicate professionally, I'm not interested in hiring you, period, full stop. Okay, And number six, final one is technical skills. 50% of employers said that it was extremely or very important in their search to have technical skills. What we mean by that are there are the soft skills, you know, the things that uh, leadership, work ethic, passion, uh, all those kind of things. And then there's the hard skills. It's the things you can do. It's Google Analytics, it's Excel, it's Final Cut Pro, it's understanding how Salesforce works or Microsoft Dynamics, JIRA Asana, a- a- Ron. Microsoft Teams. like mean, I'm just listing off a bunch of different skills and products and things you could learn and know, but... If it's analytics, it's Python, it's R, it's it's SQL, like there's a lot of different technical skills. You have to have those. I'm actually very surprised this is lower down the list as being only 50% because I think as we get into a qualified world, meaning maybe the number of open job recs goes down over the next year as employers hire, maybe a little bit less. The demands and making sure you get the right match are going to be so important. And to me, I'd be looking at technical skills first. Can this person do the job? Do they have the skills that I need? Because maybe if my staff's been contracted a little bit, I don't have as much time for training. I don't have as much time to spend with you and sit with you. So if you have that knowledge already, that's a huge benefit to me. So if, you know, companies are laying people off or having to contract a little bit, the more you can do right now out of the box that makes you valuable to that organization and matches up with the demands of the job, the easier it is to say, Yeah, I can hire, I wanna hire this person because I know they can hit the ground running and I need that. Okay? So those are six things that we see from this report that are gonna be highly in demand for next year in 2023. But I would tell you that's just one report. That's just one instance of a, and an opinion of, of employers giving back their research in a, in a, in a survey. To me, you look at it through the lens of layoffs are happening in some places, not everywhere. Recession is possibly upon us, maybe even just for the first half of the year. We're seeing a lot of positive metrics heading for the second half of the year. But if that's the case, how do you bring versatility, work ethic, and the technical skills to do the job? How can you be a problem solver and and fix these things? How can you get in there and not just illuminate a problem, but fix it? You know, these are the things you want to start to show that you can do because that brings value to the organization. So I'm going to wrap it up with that. I am I'm sorry if my tone is not as excitable as it normally is, but the, the Freddie news hit me a little bit hard today. So I just wanted to, to share that because he was a great guy and I really wanted to illuminate all that he had accomplished and his icon status in our industry, but also uh, get you some actionable advice because I do think it's still important to give you something you can work with. And these are things I think will help you as you go into 2023. So thank you for listening. Please tune in to our Creators of Color episode, which is coming up on Wednesday, which will highlight some of the young minority creatives in our industry. It's a super important episode, something I'm really proud of to be partnered with with our friends at hashtag sports. Great event. I got the honor of interviewing many of the the members of the cohort and we're gonna we're gonna bring it all to front and center for you on Wednesday. So tune in for that later this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you on Wednesday.